This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. You're listening to the Wharton Sports Business Show on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM 111. Welcome back. This is the Wharton Sports Business Show on Business Radio, Sirius XM 111. This is George Perry. Uh, we just finished the first half talking some Olympics and Olympic business with Teak Root of the Washington Post. Um, and shortly we will bring on Rich Kleiman, who is Kevin Durant's agent and business manager and president of the Durant Company. Um, speaking of the NBA, uh, it was interesting to see. I mean, this year the NBA, the, the All-Star Game was obviously up against uh, the Olympics. Uh, they managed to draw uh, about 7.7 million viewers versus the 18.2 million viewers uh, that were watching the Olympics. Now, last year, the game attracted 7.8 million viewers, so there wasn't much change. So, I mean, the most obvious thing that tells me is that uh, the NBA uh, fan uh, may not be the same fan as the Olympic fan. Um, um, or maybe uh, maybe the, the NBA fan is more avid than the Olympic fan because uh, the viewership for the Olympics is slightly down by about 7%, so... Uh, maybe the NBA game pulled from that. Um, overall, uh, reviews were positive about the game. Uh, the game itself specifically, uh, people seem to like the format of uh, the top two vote getters picking their teams, uh, of which LeBron James picked uh, uh, Kevin Durant, uh, uh, Stephon Curry's teammate, as his number one pick. Uh, if you may recall, in the, in the past, it's usually been East versus West, um, so you would not have had... Uh, uh, those two guys on the same team. Um, the other thing that apparently uh, the NBA tried to do in an effort to make the game more interesting was they they offered um, uh, prize money and, and money to uh, the charities of the captains uh, for winning the game. And uh, and so from what I understand, uh, it looked like the guys were trying a little bit harder on defense. Uh, the score, while still high at 148 to 145, was still lower than the close to 200 that they've gotten in the past years. So it sounds like there might have been a little more defense. The uh, the big criticism I heard uh, was was really the pregame. Uh, there's been a lot of controversy about Fergie's rendition of the Star Spangled Banner. Um, I did watch it. It was, a, it was a rather jazzy kind of sultry rendition, um, and you had some of the one or two of the players caught on camera, kind of laughing a little bit and um, seeming to kind of wonder what the heck she was doing. Um, I guess it's all about personal taste, but from what I could tell online, it, it didn't go over well. Um, and then there was some talk about Kevin Hart and some of the pregame introductions, and that kind of just, just got drawn out and, and wasn't really that uh, uh, that entertaining. So I, I suppose the, the league will be working hard to figure out how to, uh, to make improvements there. Um, one thing that has been highly talked about is that this year uh, the draft, uh, the draft when, when the, the LeBron and uh, Stephon Curry picked their teams, uh, it was not televised. It was not uh, broadcast at all. So um, there's going to be some there's some talk about having that uh, be broadcast. Um, sounds it looks like our uh, our next caller is on the line. So we are going to bring on Rich Kleiman, who is uh, Kevin Durant's uh, manager and business partner. Uh, as well as a co-founder and business partner in the Durant Company and 35 Media. Rich, uh, welcome to the show. Hey, man. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Terrific. Uh, I assume uh, I, I assume you were at the All-Star Game this weekend? 
I was at the All-Star game. I was at the All-Star weekend. All-Star um, weekend. And uh, and I am now on family vacation in the Dominican. This is the only call of the day, so I'm excited to be on with you. Well, Rich, first of all, uh, thank you for joining us then from the Dominican and, and taking some time from your family. Uh, I'm actually going to uh, be vacationing there in June, so uh, I might have to oh, nice. hit you up afterwards and you can give me all the, the scoop on where I should go and, and, and where I should visit. I will visit. do that for sure. Um, so uh, let's start off just, if you could, for the audience here, just to talk a little bit about your background and, and you know, how did you become a sports agent? I, I teach uh, sports marketing classes, and, and that's often a question I get from the students is, how can I become a sports agent? So uh, how did yeah. you make it this way? Well, I mean, I think probably when I was a kid, the answer would have been different. So however somebody that traditional route, New York, I've been obsessed with sports from the time I was born, and um, I just was like an insane of basketball knowledge, and I knew I wanted to be somehow connected to the game of basketball. My first entryway into it in any shape or form, like my mindset was just to be around it. I figured if I was around it and around the, the people in, in play that I would find my way to where I wanted to be. And um, I had no direct relationship there, but I ended up uh, with a friend of mine pitching this idea for a show in 2000 which at the time felt groundbreaking but looking back on it like we were really just pitching a reality show but it was um this company radical media which was a production company in new york doing a lot of work with espn we had asked them if we could pitch a show to espn based on doing nothing but following athletes around with the idea that with them attached to it, we could go to ESPN and we could do this show. Um, and things don't usually work that way, but we were very fortunate to do that. And I think that both ESPN and Radical Media at the time saw my friend and I as kind of like fishes out of water who might have brought up a pretty cool concept. And they were like, well, let's keep them involved. My friend ended up really getting involved on the day-to-day. with, But once I got involved with the show, I think they were like, well, what are you going to do? And I kind of like didn't I didn't even have an answer because like all I wanted to do was be around basketball, but that wasn't going to suffice. So I kind of started snooping around at what was happening and what was needed as this show came together. And I realized that we hadn't hired a music supervisor yet. So I kind of raised my hand and and sold a little bit of a dream and how I could manage the music. Um, And they gave me this budget to do the music, which I think when they gave it to me, they were laughing at how little it was. But to me, it was like a, a mind blowing amount of money. And I asked them what would happen if I didn't spend all the money, and I said I could keep it. So as soon as they told me that, I was, like, dead set on finding the best but cheapest alternative for their music. And I went to all these producers and fans and artists in New York that I knew just from being out in the clubs and being in the city. And I asked them if they wanted to give me music. I would put the the music on the show, and I would give them credit at the end of the show. And for us at, like, 21 and my friends and my peers, to see your name at the end of an ESPN show means you made it, you know? And then on top of it, I had like $500 or $1,000 to give them. So I started doing that and accumulating this like library of beats and, and different instrumentals and different songs. So Radical Media brought me on as a music supervisor and I started doing music for all different commercials and shows. And I had a nice thing going, but I figured I would just get back into sports. But that started kind of spiraling into a music career. And I was managing the artists that I had started working with and um, started managing different DJs and bands. And, and next thing I knew, I was in the music business. And um, that led to me having a joint venture record label with um, Interscope and Jimmy Iovine. I had a joint venture with Clive Davis. I was managing Mark Ronson and had everyone from like Amy Winehouse and Adele and Lily Allen and Wale and J. Cole and Meek Mill and Solange and everybody through our studio down in Soho. 
Um, and in that time, I met Jay-Z and I met his business partner. Um, and they had shot footage of their concert at Madison Square Garden. It was supposed to be Jay-Z's last concert at the time. So I took the footage to Radical Media and I said, you know, what can we do with this? And that ended up being the movie Fade to Black. And I was a producer on that movie, which then got me close with Jay. Jay then took me over to Rock Nation. I brought my whole music kind of, um, you know, portfolio over there and really learned at that point how to be an entrepreneur. Like I, I was doing it and I was hustling and I was, I was making ends meet and I was trying to figure out like how I could grow in this industry and networking. And I always had that skill set down, but until I was able to like watch Jay firsthand and watch Rock Nation develop um, was when I first started really to see like what it was I wanted to do. And I knew I wanted to do this and own something and build something myself. And I stayed in music there for a while, but eventually I, I, sports just kind of like was too big and too integral part of my life for me to just have it be a hobby and have it be a passion. So I went to Jay and I asked him if I could work with Victor Cruz and work with some athletes that I knew just as friends. And he said to me, well, we're, we're about to start something big. And when he says something, that's, you know, that means sit back and wait. He's got a, he's got a thousand batting average, you know? So that ended up being rock nation sports. And they gave me um, the opportunity to help launch that. And I had known Kevin Durant um, for 10 years, you know, randomly, he's 12 years younger than me. And we really just connected over basketball and we kept in touch. So he was one of the first calls that I made when rock nation sports happened. And um, after a while of getting to spend time with him and him spending time with Jay and Juan, Jay's partner, Kevin trusted in us to come over to rock and, you know, the agency really took off. But from the second Kevin was there, there was something unique and special about me and Kevin's relationship. And I realized that there was a void in his life and a real need to develop something and build something um, that matched the basketball player he was. And for me, it was, you know, I'd never had someone like that. I worked with some incredible musicians, but to work with someone like Kevin and be back in sports was like a dream come true. So after working in sports for a while with, with Jay, I, um, Kevin asked me if I was ready to build something big with him and, and get into building what would be Kevin Durant Enterprise. And Jay was supportive and the team there was supportive. So I went to work with Kevin. And, you know, and from there, I've continued to manage him and be his agent. But we've developed this production and content division and uh, very active with our investing. And the, philanth and the charity has really taken off. And we're building a big project in D.C. So, you know, that's I'm 40 now. So that, you know, that's a lot that has fit into the last 16, 17 years. But, I always had my mind set on sports, and I knew that if I did exactly what I did, which was get myself in the mix and get involved, that I would end up where I wanted to be. And, and um, you know, right now I'm at the perfect place, and I'm really feeling excited about what we're working on. That's, I mean, that's interesting, and, and it's it's what's really interesting is that is that you knew where you wanted to be, but you just didn't necessarily know how you were going to get there. And uh, it's always amazing to me how many uh, of my students are you know, they want to go be in the front office of an NFL team right away. And, and I, have, I have to keep trying to remind them, look, you may want to start with a minor league baseball team to get the, the sales experience or the marketing experience. It doesn't mean you're never going to get back over to the NFL, but those jobs are few and far between and hard to get. Get that experience, get build it up, keep focusing on that and working your way towards it. And ultimately, you'll probably land up where you where you want to be. And, and I think you're your path seems to have taken that 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 kind of trajectory there. You, you ended up, it sounds like, where you, where you wanted to be, um, ultimately. Yeah, yeah. So I think that, like, what I always when I always tell people to ask me is like, I put I put the dream in front of me, but I didn't I didn't stay deadlocked on that being it. I knew that that was what I wanted, but I knew that if I like jumped into the mix and took this journey, that um, that I'd either end up there, end up where I was supposed to be. And at times I really thought the music business was for me, you know, as much as I love sports, it was like, there was this void missing and not being around what I loved so much, but I did love 
the speed of the music industry. I love the deal making. I love the personalities involved. But at the end of the day, when I was in the studio, I wasn't as excited as I was in, in um, you know, in the gym or in the basketball in, in the basketball stadium. But for me, it was like you just said. You know, I think to try to fit like a square into a square is never going to work. That's, you know, in some ways that that happens for some people. They go to law school, they become a lawyer, but. You know, in some of these businesses, like you said, there's so few of these jobs. But the best thing to do is to really just, you know, be in that world, be in that room, be in that mix, network, work hard, be a sponge and be open to, to every direction this may take you and to keep that, like, goal at the end of it. But, you know, that goal may end up steering you into something else that ended up being what your, you know, what your destiny was. So if I understand it correctly, a lot of times um, uh, players will have an agent or a, who handles kind of the contracts and things and then a business manager who's really looking out for sponsorships and other business adventures. But it sounds like you're, 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 you're doing all of that, right? You know, I think in, in sports, it's funny because it was confusing for me at first. Um, a business manager in sports, the connotation is usually that they're handling more of the financial um, end of their relationship. So um, and then the agent is really responsible for all of it. So within that, you may have someone that's acting as a manager, but the agent is, you know, handling your encore contract. But as, um, as time has progressed, the agent is really responsible for everything, you know, and you'll, it's day-to-day management. It's, um, the brand deals. It's as the athlete grows, it's anything that comes into play with that career. And a lot of times that's getting equity deals and, you know, building out, um, building out their charitable endeavors, and it really encompasses all of it. But I think once you get to the level of Kevin or LeBron or Steph or Tom Brady or these guys, it really takes on the, the kind of like role of a real family office and a real enterprise. And I don't know if it's for everybody, but, you know, these guys all grew up in an era where they've seen these like self-made entrepreneurs like Jay-Z and Puffy and Ray and all that. And, you know, they've re- been real inspiration. So I think that for some of these guys, that's something that they've really looked up to and aspire to. And that entails having your own business and having your partner. So, you know, who knows five years from now as we build our enterprises out, if I won't be as much in the in the weeds as I will, as I am now. But, um, you know, I still act as his manager and his agent, but the focus of what we're doing is less traditional partnerships and really actively investing in our relationships and our deal flow in Silicon Valley have been, um, have been really impressive i'd say over the last year and a half and we've worked hard to get that uh, but we're still learning and we're still analyzing these deals as they come in and 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 using the information we have from some of the people that are in our corner out there but um that's become a big part of our business and then you know we announced this show with apple that we're doing which is one of apple's first it's apple's first scripted sports show and one of their first scripted shows overall that will be released in 2019 and then we're working very closely with youtube on developing sports content and athlete networks to kind of follow the blueprint of what we did with Kevin's network, which is now like the most successful sports sports athlete network on YouTube. So, um, you know, it's all of that. And to me, it all goes hand in hand. You know, everything we're doing when we roll out a shoe with Nike, it's how do we get people that, um, how do we companies we've invested in to play a part in it? How do we get overtime or Postmates involved with our Nike shoe rollout? Or how do we get Alaska Airlines, one of our other partners involved with the Nike rollout? So we have a few of those, and those I look at as real legacy partners. These are people that I hope we're in business with when, you know, when he retires. But um, yeah, I'm all in. You know, it's all Kevin Durant, and you know, and I'm still enjoying every bit of the day-to-day stuff because, like I said, I think without that, I know I can't fully know what he goes through, and I can't do the best job I can do. So you're listening to the Sports Business Show on Sirius XM 111. We are on the phone here with uh, Kevin Durant's manager, Rich Kleiman. Uh, Rich, 
So you mentioned um, a, a number of different uh, activities that you're involved with. Um, one that's intriguing to me is, is, is the Apple show as well as this 35 Media. Can you, can you talk a little bit more uh, for our audience kind of what, what that's all about? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, unlike, you know, obviously what LeBron's done and Maverick, his partner, have done with Spring Hill and Uninterrupted was always something that was inspiring. I think we didn't set out to do that. Kevin always had stories that he wanted to tell, um, and I always um, was pretty excited by my experience working on Jay's film and being around some of the projects that I was a music supervisor for. So I had experience in that world, but it wasn't a concerted effort to be like, okay, check, we were investing in Silicon Valley, check, now it's time to move on to the production company. It was more, um, we went into YouTube, and Kevin had been pretty silent on social media, which was the opposite of how he'd been throughout his career. And we wanted to get him re-engaged with his fans and went to YouTube with no expectation, but we had Susan and, and Wojcicki and Robert uh, um, Kinsel, the head of content, and Neil Mohan, the chief product officer, kind of take us around all of YouTube and really showed us parts of that company that we didn't know existed. And I really thought of it as like the highlight hub and where I could just type anything in and see anything. And while that was true, they had really become this, network for more eyeballs than anywhere else in the world one and a half billion people tune into youtube and some of the creators that were utilizing the the kind of the network and the best practices and the new resources were creating these big booming businesses like these distribution outlets of content and then i saw some of these celebrities like the rock and carly Kloss, and i asked what other athletes had done that and no one had done it to that level so it was exciting to us and we 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 spent some time looking at some of these other networks and realized it was something we wanted to do and we built out Kevin's channel and started creating content on an episodic basis and consistently just talking to his fans, either through the community section or live stream or video on demand. And then we started um, doing fan Q&As and engaging his brands to, um, to create branded content in lieu of traditional advertising and marketing. And, we, and our big example, that was something we did with Nike to release his last shoe, which was a 40-minute documentary. Um, we engaged some new brands in creating original content. We started to... Um, bring on other talent outside of Kevin, like JaVale McGee and Michael Rappaport to create original shows for Kevin's network. And all of a sudden we looked up and we had a network of 600,000 subscribers, 40 million views. So it really got our kind of juices flowing in terms of wanting to create content. And one thing we'd always talked about was doing something based on um, the world of AU and something based on Kevin's experiences in AU, but not, you know, a, a direct translation of what his childhood was like i don't think kevin was comfortable with that yet so when we were at google camp in sicily last year which was just the greatest experience of our life we, we spent some time with brian grazer and we told him some of the ideas we had and said what a big fan of friday night lights we were and he he to his credit had always thought about recreating that friday night lights blueprint in some ways with a new sport but until we kind of i think filled the um you know really like explained to him what this world of au was and how this had become you know what Friday night football was in Texas in some ways, these tournaments and in, in, in over the summer at Peach Jam in, in South Carolina or in Vegas. Um, and what Kevin's experience was through the years, we both realized that was a show. So we, we've connected with this writer, Reggie Blindwood, who writes, um, wrote Shots Fired. Um, and we created this script and we took it around and, um, and Apple got it. You know, a few networks wanted it. Apple really understood it and was excited about it. And um, and, you know, we'll hopefully start production later this year and hope to release it next year. But it's going to be very loosely based on Kevin's life, but takes place in D.C. We'll follow an eighth grade AU team and all the different characters and coaches and parents and, you know, the corruptness and the drama and the relationships and everything that exists in this town. But 
with the backdrop of AAU basketball. So it's something very exciting to us. I think within our world and our bubble, it feels like everyone knows about it, but they don't. And the world is pretty amazing. So um, we're creating that. We're working on another show that we'll be announcing soon, and we'll continue to create content on YouTube and continue to create content for our brands and other brands. And we're building out athlete networks. The first two we launched were Richard Sherman and Carl Towns, and we have some more in the works. So it's pretty exciting. And, and, and though it wasn't our original vision, 35 Media has become, you know, similar to what LeBron had created. And, and that's been a real, like I said, a real blueprint for us. So that was, you know, that's great when peers of yours or, you know, people like LeBron and can do that and do it while he's still playing. And I think that was what was so rare about it. So, you know, 35 Media is up and running now and we're excited about it. And the Apple show will be a real, I think, flagship for the brand. So, Rich, we got about a minute left here. Um, uh, quick question on um, athletes speaking out on social issues and, uh, as we know, Lauren, Ing- Lauren Ingram from Fox basically said that LeBron and, and, and Kevin should shut up and dribble when it comes to talking about those issues. And I don't want to get into that, that argument, and, but I'm really curious just from a business manager standpoint. Do you, do you have discussions with your athletes or people you represent about you know, what they can and can't say, what they shouldn't, shouldn't do for their brand, or do you just kind of let them be who they are? Well, I definitely let them be who they are, but I do have conversations. I just work with Kevin now um, for a few years now, and that's a lot of conversation. Uh, but I still speak to other athletes that are in my network and that I'm friends with. And the only thing I do is the same thing I would do with any friend of mine is, you know, I'll talk about it and I'll listen. But if they have something to say, they'll say it. The only thing I'll, I'll tell Kevin is I'll ask him at times if he – wants to pause and take a second you know like any of us when we're worked up or angry your your reaction at times is not always how you want your point to get across and sometimes in your anger your message and how strong the message is that you can get across can sometimes get lost um and we'll talk about things like that but at the end of the day first of all I'll never understand what kevin's gone through in his life and what he'll continue to go through i never can understand as much as what laura ingram said infuriated me. I'll never fully understand how it made Kevin feel. I hate to cut you off. Uh, we, we are up against it here. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Enjoy the Dominican, and we really appreciate it and hope to have you back sometime. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.